Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Friends, it's great to have you on Soul Talks. We have a very important conversation today as we kick off a series on mental health. May is Mental Health Awareness Month in the United States, and so we like to take that month to really lean into a topic that we talk about a lot in Soul Shepherding, and that's mental-emotional health. And uh, for instance, on our Instagram this month, every day we will have posts related to caring for uh, mental health issues and challenges for, for yourself and the people that you uh, care for and support. And so if you're not following Soul Shepherding on Instagram, you'll want to do that, especially in conjunction with this podcast. Last year in the month of May, our subscribership to our Instagram account doubled because of these posts on mental health awareness. It is an issue that we all struggle with and want to seek and grow in understanding with and need trusted resources, Bill, to know how to understand the mental health crisis today that we hear about. We hear about it on the news. We see it with loved ones that are suffering. Some of us are suffering ourselves. And it's very much a part of our our life, our discipleship to Jesus. Uh, spiritual formation is not a really a complete conversation until we include how this affects uh, various mental health challenges, depression and anxiety, compulsive behavior disorders, uh, relationship conflicts, and these kinds of things are uh, part and parcel of life. And more or less, we all feel these things. And some of us really experience a disabling condition and qualify for a diagnosis of a mental health disorder. This was really part of our call to ministry, Bill. Both of us early on in college felt called to study psychology because we wanted to understand why we were seeing what we were experiencing in our experience of the church, that this wasn't being talked about, and yet clearly it was an issue for people. And we knew God cared about it. And so thankfully, he called us to grow in some some knowledge, some experience, some understanding, both personally and through our own learning and then through journeying with people. And so that's part of why one of our taglines for Soul Shepherding is where spiritual formation meets psychology is because our spiritual life really needs to be practical. It needs to really be speaking into and affecting things like our mental health. Yeah, we want all, all of our resources, podcasts, books, uh, all of our content, all of our teaching to speak to people who are dealing with uh, discouragement, worry, uh, mental health disorder, depression, anxiety, uh, etc. Because most of us at some point are touched by these challenges personally or the people that we care for. So if spiritual formation ministry doesn't uh, speak to these challenges, it's not uh, really um, going far enough. And so along those lines in our Soul Shepherding Institute retreats, we speak about family formation because spiritual formation begins with family formation. Everybody's getting a formation. Everybody's being formed in one way or another. And that really starts in the first uh, days and, and months of our lives as we are shaped by the relationships with our mom, our dad, our caregivers, and the, the environment of our family and the context that we experience, which sometimes includes um, I mean, more or less, we all experience family dysfunction because every family has has stress and, and sin and pain. But additionally, we, sometimes we experience trauma. Uh, we ex- might experience abuse, all, all sorts of different um, stressors that can 
be damaging to us emotionally, in our personalities, and in our formation. And sometimes this comes out with mental health disorders that uh, have a huge impact on our ability to to trust God, to practice our Christian faith with uh, wisdom and uh, love and joy and peace. And so it's such an important topic and really is central to our distinctive and soul shepherding, as you said, uh, one of our taglines is where spiritual formation meets psychology. So uh, in these mental health awareness podcasts and the uh, posts on Instagram and the emails that go out from our Soul Shepherding uh, uh, website, uh, we'll be talking about mental health issues all, all month. So tune in. And today we are, are really jumping into the deep end because we're going to talk about suicide. Bill, one of the reasons why we're talking about suicide is also because recently three of our Soul Shepherding staff members have been affected by a loved one who has attempted or completed suicide. Yeah, it's so tragic and so sad. And that includes uh, two people who lost their life by suicide. A lot of grief, a lot of stress, and there's people really suffering uh, connected to these staff members that we we love and, and care for. Thankfully, I think that the church is growing in their understanding of this, and there's less shame associated with it, but there's still some sense of shame, and shame isolates, and that's the last thing you need when you're grieving and you're hurting and you're reeling from something like this. Yeah, we, we want to come back to that uh, because the stigma w- with uh, suicide and all mental health uh, disorders and conditions is uh, still very significant and uh, can be very shaming to people. And that's not how God views it. It's not how God feels about it. We've got um, many of the writers of Scripture struggled with depression. Uh, Jeremiah's example that comes to mind had depression. And um, depression is not a sin. Anxiety is not a sin. Uh, suicide is not a sin. So, but l- let's um, get a little ahead of ourselves. Let's give a little more of the the background here. So, suicide is the twelfth leading cause of death in America, and it's the third leading cause of death for ages ten to nineteen. And teen suicide has just been rising. And is so scary, uh, so troubling. Ten percent of adult Americans have thought about suicide. And 54% of Americans have been affected by suicide. Like, like we just shared, we've been affected by suicide uh, recently. And in my history, I have uh, I've been affected. I had a, a client uh, complete suicide you know, over a decade ago. Uh, this is when I was practicing as a psychologist. And it was a complicated situation because he had a, a, uh, an illness that was very debilitating. But as a young man, uh, like 40-ish, and so, so difficult, so painful, so, so, so much grief for his wife, mm-hmm. for his daughter. And then um, even when I was functioning as a psychologist, I was not a typical psychologist. I was very pastoral and, and had also worked as a pastor. So I was asked to do the memorial service. And that was a very difficult thing to do to and with honor, of course, to pray for and care for and grieve with uh, family and friends and and people. But so many people, the ripple effect from a suicide is so large and just the the, the wake of of grief and and just how that affects people. Uh, I've had uh, two different times family members uh, in in the past, uh, going back a number of years, but attempted suicide and thankfully did not complete. Uh, So yeah, it's a very personal subject 
for us, Christy, that we're personally been uh, affected by recently and praying through and, and in our history uh, as well. Well, suicide is something that you also have had a lot of experience because you, for a number of years, trained 24-hour crisis counseling hotline ministers to respond to calls of people that were suicidal. And many of them were wounded healers who had lost a loved one to a suicide. And in working through, God brought great redemption in their lives and healing in their lives, some even coming to Christ through it. And then being able to be ambassadors of Christ to others. Yeah, when I was serving as a pastor in a megachurch, I trained over a thousand Christian lay counselors and uh, they served on uh, the phones or in a private chat room that we started for private counseling back in the very beginning uh, of the internet. And so, yeah, some of our best volunteer counselors uh, were survivors of suicide and um, just found great meaning uh, being wounded healers to, to offer uh, empathy, listening, uh, uh, prayer, support, uh, comfort and guidance for people that were uh, hurting or in crisis or in many cases, I mean, every day we had someone call who was suicidal and we would talk them through that. And so there are some things to understand about uh, for all of us as it relates to the possibility that somebody that we talk with might be suicidal. They might be having thoughts or feelings of suicide. And there's, there's some uh, misconceptions about that. Some people are afraid to like mention it because like, as if it would put an idea in somebody's head or something. But if someone is, you're talking with someone and they seem depressed and despairing and hopeless, you you want to ask in a gentle way, have you had thoughts of suicide? People feel cared for normally when you do that. And uh, usually someone who attempts suicide puts out a cry for help before then. So it's really important that we are just attentive to, I mean, this just goes with, uh, it's a staple in soul shepherding, right? It's the heart of soul shepherding, uh, empathy. Mm-hmm. But just really looking into people's eyes and just with interest, with concern, with a tender heart to, to try to understand what, what they're feeling and what's going on. And so when someone is uh, in a depressed state, uh, they're, they're more vulnerable. And so we want to ask about how, how they are. We want to lean in with some questions. And we don't want to be afraid to that, to move towards them and to, to lean in. And we want to be aware of some of the symptoms of suicide to take those seriously. If you see someone withdrawing, if you see someone who has been withdrawn and depressed, then all of a sudden maybe get activated and a, a quick change of mood and start to maybe give things away and take take some action you want to take that serious and not just ignore that and at the same time we don't want anybody to feel guilt if they've missed signs because it's very easy to miss signs of suicide as well yeah well so those are warning signs to pay attention to and so uh, there's sort of a triage of questions that you ask when someone is hopeless and uh, at risk for attempting suicide. And so you first just check in to see if they're having any thoughts or feelings. Uh, and then the next level, if they are, then you say, well, is that something that you're like wanting to do? And if they are, then you say, well, do you have, do you have a plan? How would you do that? Because you want to see if it's lethal. And they usually are just going to tell you because there's a, anytime someone attempts suicide, there's ambivalence. There's part of them that is in so much pain, so much crisis, they just want to get out. But then there's another part of them that wants to be loved. It's just part of being a human being, and they want to live. 
and we all have a life instinct. And so they're in a, in a great turmoil inside. Add into this the spiritual warfare that's going mm-hmm. on, that, that Jesus has come, they might have life and have it abundantly, mm-hmm. but Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so the, 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 uh, the angels of, of light and uh, God's army of, of loving people are on the side of life, and uh, the dark spirits are on the side of death. And so there's a, a struggle there. And so we really want to lean in, and if someone has a plan and it's lethal, then that, that's where we want to intervene. And we, we don't we stay with that person. We call to have them taken into the hospital, which includes calling uh, the police, or someone that can, can intervene and actually take someone to the hospital. So that if they're in imminent risk of attempting suicide, uh, then that we want we want to stop that. We want to save that life. We want to help that person because they're going to feel differently uh, in a day, a week, or a month, and that's what we want for them to get into a different place. Well, and oftentimes somebody who's suicidal is is isolating. They're often trying and thinking they need to protect their loved ones from their problems, their emotions, their needs, their feelings, and so they they're in quiet trying to figure out they they actually are under a belief of thinking it would be better for their loved ones if they killed themselves yeah because what goes with depression is shame Mm -hmm. and uh, we talk about shame and depression in our coming book healthy feelings thriving faith Uh, they go together and it's very debilitating and uh all of us, as we said, have some feelings of discouragement or disappointment uh, that sometimes are on, on a line with depression. It becomes a, a depression when we, we get into a place of hopelessness, as you said, Christy, a sense of withdrawal, isolating, and then this shame that begins to bury us, and then we, we begin to lose energy. Those are called vegetative symptoms, or we, we get a little more like a vegetable. It's hard to have energy, hard to move, hard to do anything. We don't have positive feelings about We're not looking forward to anything. The things that used to bring us pleasure and joy in life are not doing that, whether, it, whether it's foods or entertainment or a friend or finding my work enjoyable and meaningful. Uh, these things start to go away. And even, even if they're available to us, we just we don't have energy to seek them out. And we lose hope that we'll ever feel better again, that it it could ever change for us. We don't see any other solution. There's a sense into which there's no other good choice. And that's depression. Of course, it's suicidality, but just depression, even without suicidal thoughts or feelings, is a condition where you, if it's major depression or a chronic depression, you start to feel bleak and, and stuck and like it's always going to be this way and you can't very well imagine yourself to get out of this. It just feels like you're just walking through wet cement and every step is a slog. Every step takes energy. It's hard to get out of bed in the morning and it's maybe even hard to get to sleep because you're just, cause a lot of times what goes with depression is agitation and restlessness and anxiousness. Anxiety and depression often go together. So uh, one of the things that comes up here, specifically with the issue of suicide, is this: uh, a lot of us have gotten this idea, or even believe that that uh, suicide uh, is a sin, or even worse, that it sends people into hell. And I just think that is, um, I think it's not true. I do not think that uh, I do not believe that someone who uh, completes suicide goes to hell. 
uh, I mean, even if you take the, the position that it's a sin, and we'll, we'll discuss that in just a minute, uh, we all commit various sins, and they don't, they don't lead to hell. What, what leads to hell is rejecting God, rejecting a God of mercy, rejecting Jesus, and wanting to live life on your own terms and be your own boss and rebelling against the God of perfect love. And so in a sense, we, we choose our destiny. Uh, in how we, whether or not we respond with faith and trust and, and love in the God who loves us. So suicide is, is uh, in a sense, walking away from that. And so from that sense, someone might think of it as a sin, but I really do not believe that's the right way to think about it because it's so intertwined with depression and a, a mental emotional state that is not your, your best self or your true self. And so uh, when... A depression overtakes someone that they they lose a lot of their 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 free choice and so it's a it's a very complicated issue but it is much more accurate and certainly compassionate to understand suicide as related to a mental health disorder related to a depression and it's a, it's a reaction to that but many times there's even physical biological causes at play there yeah, one of the things I learned in getting a PhD in psychology is that all human behavior is multi-determined, meaning there are a number of causes. It is not a simple thing. And so that's that's uh, there's so many problems with with the position that oh, you know, suicide is a sin. It's shaming uh, and then it's it's just so simplifying of a very complicated issue. Uh, and so it just ends up being untrue because there is so much suffering that's going on and in, in reactivity that are huge parts of the picture, and as you're saying, Christy, even biology in the depression. Well, let's, let's look to the story of Judas in the Bible, and in particular, Matthew gives us a very compassionate view on Judas. Matthew gives us more detail about the life of Judas than uh, we have, and some Christians have interpreted uh, that because Judas, Judas betrayed Jesus and completed suicide, you know, and Jesus uses this expression that the person that betrays the Son of Man was better that they, if they had not been born, they interpret that to mean that therefore Judas went to hell. And the Bible does not say that Judas went to hell. And just because Jesus uses that expression, better to have not been born, I mean, that, that's hyperbole. That, that's a, an expression of how... Um, how, how urgent it is, how how damaging it is, and how important it is to not do that, to not betray the Messiah, to not betray Jesus. But that is not equal to you've committed an unpardonable sin, you can't be forgiven, and, and God is going to send you to hell. That is not what the Bible teaches. And I think that Matthew's compassion for Judas perhaps comes out of his own experience as a tax collector and and ways that he... Uh, really uh, suffered with that and uh, the ways he was judged and shamed and, and the ways that he he betrayed his, his his Jewish people and his own parents. And even as Judas betrayed Jesus, Matthew betrayed his people. And so it just seems like Matthew has an extra sensitivity and empathy for Judas. So Matthew 27 gives the story of Judas's suicide. But right before that in Matthew 26, we have Judas betraying Jesus and when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus and his, uh, the 11 faithful disciples are in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and Judas brings the religious leaders and the soldiers in to arrest Jesus. And at that point, uh, 
Judas and Jesus share a, a greeting with a kiss. It's a kiss of betrayal. But for Jesus, I believe it's a kiss of affection. And he calls Judas friend. He calls him his friend. And that was sincere. Uh, Judas was one of Jesus' friends. And even in that moment of the betrayal, uh, Jesus loved and cared for Judas. And he knew that not only was Judas uh, suffering, but that Judas was incredibly, terribly confused. And probably what Judas was doing in the betrayal was trying to force Jesus' hand. to He wanted Jesus to be a political Messiah for Israel that would overthrow Rome. And so he was trying to force Jesus to use his power and, and finally usher in the kingdom of God in the way Judas wanted it to be, in a physical kingdom that made Israel number one and got rid of the Romans and that sort of a thing. And so then in chapter 27 of Matthew, when Judas sees that his plan didn't work, and when he sees that Jesus was condemned and that Jesus didn't stand up for himself, he didn't fight back, and he sees Jesus' mercy and compassion and love and that he's making himself a willing sacrifice, Matthew says that Judas is seized with remorse. Now, remorse uh, can be a healthy thing. It's a sadness. It's a regret. Uh, he, he wishes that he hadn't betrayed Jesus. He, and then he goes to the high priest and he gives back the money and he confesses his sin and he's, he's asking for forgiveness. Now, you know that God forgives Judas before Judas even asked for forgiveness, but as Judas asked for forgiveness, he receives forgiveness from God. Now, the high priests and religious leaders who were the ones behind crucifying Jesus, they, they said, that's your problem. We don't care. And so in many ways, not only is the blood of Jesus on their hands, the blood of Judas is on their hands. Because if they would have responded like their, their calling from God was and their, their mission and ministry was, they would, they would have received his confession of sin and uh, pronounced God's forgiveness over him and embraced him and, and loved him. And then he, he wouldn't have attempted suicide. And so I, I just can't um, believe for a second that God uh, is punishing Judas in hell. And I believe that we will meet him uh, in heaven and that God has a tremendous compassion and love uh, for Judas and, and people like Judas. Now, all this said is not like, oh, so therefore, if you're depressed, go ahead and attempt suicide, um, because it's not a good thing. It hurts a lot of people. And so uh, it's um, very important to understand this perspective. Well, I appreciate you sharing this. And this has been something that throughout the history of church, there's been a lot of confusion about this. And a lot of people have not understood God's mercy and have really hurt people, rejected people, condemned people, judged people, instead of being able to, to really see and mediate God's mercy. We have one example of this from the life of Luther. So I tell the story in a Soul Shepherding Institute that comes from the movie Luther, uh, which is just a very gripping movie portraying the life of Martin Luther. It's a, a faithful account. There's a mother that Martin Luther had ministered to, and she comes to him in agony and grief because her troubled teenage son has completed suicide, and the local priest will not perform his funeral or bury him in the church cemetery. Everyone says the boy is damned, and the mother is hysterical. Uh, she's downcast in shame, and she says to 
Martin Luther. What does God say, Father, for suicide? Luther, aware of the whole situation, um, goes to his prayer cell, and he, he knows that this is a spiritual battle. And so he, he's, as he's uh, praying in private, he says, I defy you, devil. I know your handiwork, you and your stinking lies, shaming, shaming, shaming a mother, telling her to hide her broken child, telling her boy to kill himself. Then in the movie, we see Luther come out of his prayer cell and he stands against the tide of a harsh religion, a judgmental, angry religion that says the boy is damned because he took his life. And Luther shouts with faith in the compassion of Christ. I say the boy was overcome by the devil. Is this child any more to blame for the despair that overtook him than an innocent man who was murdered by a robber in the woods? God is mercy. That, I believe, is how the Lord feels about someone who is depressed and someone who attempts suicide and someone who completes suicide. And we as a people, because all of us now, just you who are listening, Christy and me, God has entrusted us as, as shepherds. Uh, we, we are people that help other people, whether it's as pastors, missionaries, spiritual directors, soul friends, uh, Christian servants in, in various roles. Um, we view our lives as an opportunity to love other people in Jesus' name. And so it's so important that we have this perspective of compassion for anyone who is having mental health challenges uh, and most tenderly, someone who is suicidal. So let's pray even now. Jesus, thank you for your mercies, your mercies that are new every morning. Thank you that you are near the brokenhearted. Thank you that you, Holy Spirit, are our comforter, our counselor. And Lord, I pray for any of our listeners who are depressed, who are being afflicted by the enemy with temptations and thoughts of suicide. Lord, would you provide for them the courage to reach out to someone who can be an ambassador of your mercy and love and help and hope for them. And Lord, for those who are listening who have lost a loved one to suicide and feel guilt and continue to struggle with the bargaining phase of grief, of the all the if-onlys, all the ways they wish they had known, wish they had intervened, wish they could have done something but didn't know, all the confusion, Lord, would you meet them in that with your peace, with your love, with your abundance of mercy for their loved one and for them. We thank you, Jesus, that you are living and active that you are the resurrection and the life, and we put our hope in you, and we call to you for help, knowing that you hear and you respond to our cries, and that you are a God that works even the worst of griefs for good. Help each of our friends to trust you today. With thanks, Jesus, we pray. Amen.
thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.